Welcome to episode 32 of Polly Wanna Cracker. Today's guest is Australian Labor Party Senator Sue Lyons. Sue is also the Deputy President of the Senate and Chair of Committees. Today we talked about uh, voter dissatisfaction with big party politics, so we talk a little bit about what the Australian Labor Party is doing to engage with young voters, but we also get a really great insight into how Sue thinks, what she's passionate about, and, and really just how she, you know, what makes her tick. And that's what this show is really all about. We want to find out who these people are. So I hope you'll enjoy this episode, but before we get into it, don't forget to follow Polly Wanna Cracker on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Polly Podcast. And if you want to email me about anything at all, it's pollypodcast at gmail.com. So here we go with episode 32 with Senator Sue Lyons. Senator Sue Lyons, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you very much for giving me the time today. I really appreciate it. And I know it's a busy time. The, the politics year, I guess you could say, is coming to an end fairly soon. Um, it is. Yeah. Uh, so just quickly, let's sort of recap the sitting last week and as we head into the, the sitting next week, um, just talk about some of the, what are some of the big issues to come out of um, Parliament last week? I think the biggest issue is really the government hasn't got any real business on its agenda. Mm-hmm. And um, that very first week after the election, the Senate really had no business. And um, <clears throat> we've dealt with one bill, which was an omnibus bill, a whole lot of uh, changes, fairly small, some major, that uh, the government wanted passed. And uh, Labor agreed to most of that. So. That's been a bill that's been debated and passed, but really um, I think the government is well and truly a government without an agenda and a government on the run. I mean, it's ridiculous. Let's ban refugees for life bill, which we are, as Labor, not going to support, is, uh, is a perfect example of that. Just came from nowhere, quickly drafted up and then, you know, pushed through the parliament and that's now before the Senate. Hmm. So how do you expect that to, to play out next week? Well, it'll be interesting because, as you know, Tim, we now have even more uh, crossbenchers. Uh, right. The government and the Greens deal about trying to <clears throat> create democracy, which was an absol- absolute fabrication, uh, has resulted in uh, many more back- many more crossbenchers for the government to deal with and actually has seen less legislation getting through. But I understand that the that Nick Xenophon and his team are somewhat split on the bill. Uh, I think, uh, as usual, Hanson, the Hanson team will vote with the government. Again, what a fabrication we've seen with One Nation purporting to represent something different and yet at 99.9% of the time when they do bother to vote, they, uh, they simply line up with the government so they're not a point of difference at all. So how do you, when it comes to working with, you know, the senators and the members of One Nation, I mean, how do you guys, you know, do that? How do you work together if you have to? Well, if you look at what we achieved in government under the Rudd and the Gillard government, I mean, we passed uh, records amounts of legislation. So Labor will negotiate, we will listen to people, we'll give them information and, and hear their views and if we can accommodate some of the changes that perhaps crossbenchers or the Greens want to make, we will, but if we can't, then, um, then, then we won't. So 
Labor has a history of respecting the views of others and of being able to negotiate and get legislation through. By contrast, the government treats um, the crossbenchers with contempt, uh, gives them very little information and yet expects them to simply line up and vote with the government and we've seen that from the very limited amount of legislation the government's been able to get through the Senate over and over again because they simply do not respect the negotiation process. Yeah, well, we've seen, um, obviously, with you know Donald Trump's election and, and all that, do you buy into the thought that with Donald Trump winning the US presidency that conservative politics will ramp up in Australia or we will see a, you know, a Brexit or Trump-style backlash from voters you know, with this type of thing going on? We've already seen a ramping up of conservative politics long before um, Trump came along. I mean, it's very clear that Malcolm Turnbull is governed by his uh, right, his extreme right-wing Tea Party-type rump. I mean, we've seen George Christensen make pronouncement after pronouncement, and whoa, what do we see? A back, um, you know, backtracking by by Malcolm Turnbull. And the biggest injustice of that is marriage equality, where we have a prime minister who supports marriage equality in the same way that I do. And yet he's an absolute prisoner of his backbench. And we've seen um, this uh, non-binding plebiscite idea come from nowhere. It was an Abbott idea. Turnbull's been forced to accept it. So we already know what conservative politics means in Australia. You only have to look at the Turnbull backbench. And time and time again, they carry the day with Malcolm Turnbull because he's more interested in his own job at the end of the day than he is in um, you know doing what's right and fair for for Australia, for Australia. Yeah, well, uh, there was a recent report um, just earlier this week about the rejection of big party politics, and uh, in that report, it stated that voters, twenty three point two percent of votes, did not cast a formal primary vote in the House of Representatives for either of the major parties, which is the worst combined result since nineteen thirty four. Is there? Any desire within the current leaderships to take responsibility for that turn away from the major parties? And I do, honestly, I know that you can't really speak for the Liberal Party, but is Labor looking to Mm. address the issue and win back voters' trust? Because even Paul Keating has said that Labor has drifted too far from the centre. Well, I I disagree with that. And, you know, Paul Keating was a fabulous Prime Minister and he's entitled to his view, but I I don't agree with that. But I think what's happening, Tim, is that in the same way... I mean, Australian society is fundamental, cha- fundamentally changed from even, even um, it, it, you know, a generation ago. There's much more social media, um, young people are much more active. And I think what we have done is assume that people, one, understand the voting process and two, understand why voting in this country is compulsory. So I think we need to go back and talk about what it means to be in a democracy and how uh, people's votes are not only important but valuable, and particularly now when we see many seats uh, change hands through, through, through small margins. So I think we've got to go back and not just assume somehow organically young people um, understand the voting process. So I think we've got to do a lot more of that in schools. Let's talk about our democracy. Let's be proud of our democracy because Australian democracy is something to be proud of. Secondly, I think we need to listen to what uh, not only young people are saying and why that they in particular have disengaged from politics, but from what all voters are saying, to go out and listen. And I think one of the things that, that Bill Shorten 
has done consistently and has continued to do is he's going out and holding these town hall meetings. I'm sure you are probably aware of them. Yes, yeah. Where he comes in, um, the town hall is advertised, it's completely opened, uh, there's no such thing as staged questions. Anyone can come along and ask any questions um, and it's an opportunity to engage. And I think we've really got to do more of that listening to voters. Um, and he only talks for a few minutes at the beginning and then the microphones are handed out and people have an absolute fair go at asking questions. And he's continued to do them since the election. And I've got to say, I met with some media people the other day and he said, why is he doing them? I'm going, well, why shouldn't he do them? It's informing him about what ordinary Australian voters are thinking and what they're concerned about and so on. So I think we've got to do a lot more listening. Um, we do have to address the issue of unemployment in Australia. We do have to address the issue of temporary workers and somehow it's seen as protectionism to... Uh, I, I'm just gobsmacked today particularly to hear the media and other conservative commentators accuse Labor of protectionism because we're standing up for Australian jobs. Like, come on, that's what you expect politicians to do. And certainly last earlier this year, I, um, in my role as chair of the Education Employment References Committee, um, we published a report on temporary um, work visas. And it's not just workers on 457 visas, but it's backpackers and um, students on uh, international students on visas. And of course we want to make work available. But really, we've got a responsibility to look after those who are residents in our country first and foremost. And if people want to call that protectionism, well, I tell you what, it's what people at town halls tell us they want to see. And really, I think as politicians, we have a responsibility to make sure that people can live a decent life. And in order to do that, you have to have a job. So I think uh, we are... We've listened to the sorts of messages we've heard at town halls and what you're seeing is, is Bill Shorten start to reflect that. And I think this, you know, we're going to make sure that people who live here first have the first um, go at jobs is, is sensible and it's really what we should be doing. And quite frankly, if political parties have forgotten that or politicians have forgotten that, they need to look in the mirror and seriously ask themselves, well, whose interests are you looking after? The other thing, Tim, is the Banking Royal Commission. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't think there's an ordinary voter in this country who doesn't think that a Banking Royal Commission is not only a good idea but, quite frankly, necessary. And yet the only people in this country who don't want to have a Banking Royal Commission are the banks, because obviously they've got a vested interest, and, and the Turnbull government. Again, totally out of step. So I think we, I think the Labor Party, we've got a long way to go, but I think we are prepared to listen. We we are picking up on issues, um, and and we're trying to reflect that in policy. Negative gearing. You know, we were very brave to go out and say, want to claw back um, negative gearing. We want to change capital gains tax because that's one of the ways we make we start to make housing affordable for, for Australian voters. Um, so I think, yes, we need to listen. I think we need to do more education about what it means to live in a democracy, how powerful your vote is, and to start to reflect much more the views of, of um, the voters in Australia. Yeah, so uh, just when you were saying, talking about uh, you know, jobs for Australians, uh, wasn't the catch cry of the other side jobs and growth? Yes, yeah, 
Well, what have we seen? We, we are facing record levels of, of high unemployment. In Western Australia, we've got this new emerging group of women who cannot get a job, and, uh, and when they do get jobs, they tend to be underemployed. Underemployment is the silent uh, killer in this country. There are many, many workers in aged care, in childcare, in hospitality, in all of those middle-level jobs who do not earn enough money each week to, to get by on and uh, they've been completely forgotten by the Turnbull government. I mean, the minister stands up and says, oh, you know, we've created X number of jobs, you know, record numbers of jobs. Well, what has been created are part-time low-paying job and that that's not enough for people to, to live on. Yeah. Um, regardless of how crazy, um, you know, the the other side might be talking or, um, you know, you, you might, how much no matter how much you disagree with what um, you know, other members of parliament are saying, do you ever allow yourself to you know, look at things from your opponent's perspective? And like I say, while you may not agree, you're able to empathise and understand where they're coming from. And can you separate the politician from the person? I agree. One of the areas I've really tried to do that is on marriage equality. And I've got to say, I've listened, I've asked people, I said, oh, I don't want to have an argument with you. Because, you know, often as politicians, we end up on committees together or we, you know, go on fact-finding yeah. missions together and so on. So mm -hmm. you get to know people as, as people. And I, I remember saying just uh, a few months back, I really want to try to understand your perspective on why you're opposed to marriage equality. So... I have to say I listen respectfully and I'm, I'm none the wiser. And then I think, well, is this me? Am I not understanding it? Um, maybe it's just my perspective is so entrenched I can't see it. But, yes, no, on, on issues I really do try and, uh, on, try and understand where people are coming from because, um, because it, one, it helps you inform your own views yeah. and, two, um, it gives you the opportunity to see another person's perspective. So... Uh, of course, I'm a, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a Labor politician. I've got a set of values and um, so on that I believe passionately in, but it doesn't mean I can't uh, listen to and, and understand but not necessarily agree with, a, with, a, with mm. another point of view. As I say, I've tried really hard to do that on marriage yeah. equality and so far no one's been able to give me the kind of few words that will help me understand why some people in this country are, are so opposed to it or see it as a threat to marriage. Yeah, what are some of those core values that you're speaking of and those beliefs that you draw from? Well, I'm, uh, you know, I come out of a trade union, um, you know, background and I'm, off, I'm always bemused that uh, being a trade unionist in this country somehow means that you're out of touch with ordinary everyday workers, which is extraordinary because I spent 20 years as a union official standing um, with aged care workers and childcare workers and security officers on picket lines, you know, in the early hours of the morning in the heat and the cold. I get it. Um, and I think it's, it's a good grounding to be a politician because you, you come understanding... Um, issues that face working Australians. Uh, so that, uh, you know, that I, I believe in trade unions, I believe in uh, collective action, um, you know, I believe in climate change, I believe in marriage equality, I'm a feminist, um, you know, I sit yeah. within the left of the party. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a progressive uh, union feminist. Labor politician. 
Right. Well, I was going to ask you, uh, like, what is your, your background? Because in researching for this, I can see you're quite heavily into community groups and, and volunteering. Yeah. yeah. So is, yeah. That, is that community spirit something you picked up from your parents or your family? Um, I'm not... I think possibly, not, not in an overt way, but um, my mother in particular was... Um, she was a, a school teacher and ended up being a, a, a deputy principal at a primary school, and she used to do a little bit of community service but I think um, I think really what motivates me is I've got a, a very strong sense of justice which I think is why I gravitated initially towards trade unions um, if I see something that isn't just um, I'm very I'm a very passionate advocate so I would <clears throat> I support um, you know I think we really need to end homelessness in this country um, I'm a strong supporter of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and, and what's happened to them since white colonisation in this country. So, But I think ultimately my activism comes from that sense of injustice. And I also think as community members, uh, um, it isn't OK to sit back and let someone else do it, um, that you need to be, as a community member, part of that someone else. So from a very young age, I, you know... I was a firefighter volunteer and I've always been involved in um, my local community progress associations and those sorts of things because I think it makes our community better when people come together. Yeah, uh, so I'm interested to know, I mean, you've been in politics um, dating back to your time with the uh, WA branch of the Labor Party. Uh, that mm -hmm. goes, and also, you know, United Voice, you mentioned trade unions yeah. and everything. Just wondering, what has been some of your biggest challenges since entering politics? You know, if I, if I look at it from a different point of view, I had um, opportunities earlier to enter pro politics and I always thought um, I would have to compromise. I mean, one of the things, one of the privileges of working for a trade union is that you can be a fairly strong advocate on on issues that you're passionate about, whether it's justice, whether it's you know, nuclear power chips or, or the environment or whatever the issue, land rights, whatever the issue might be, um, and you can put a point of view that generally um, members of the union um, not only support but will advocate alongside of you on. And I always thought if I became a, a member of parliament that I would have to compromise those ideals. So I guess to answer your question in a backwards kind of way is, it surprised me that I haven't had to compromise mm -hmm. my values. Um, that that one of the things that I value about the Labor Party is that you can, uh, you know, within our caucus and our and our national conference, which as you probably know uh, is televised as mm -hmm. our state conferences, they're open forums uh, where you can go and watch the debate. You can have a, a good debate um, and and you live to fight another day and certainly working in a trade union where you probably lose issues more than you win them despite what you read in the popular media you do learn to live to fight another day it's one of the very valuable lessons that you learn that you you might have a very strong dispute that you lose and you have to front up and members have to go to work the next day and you've got to front up and you've all got to start to negotiate with the boss again. So that's a good lesson to learn. I mean, as a, I mean winning is good as well. Of course, yeah. you know, you want to win more than you lose, but really 
So I think it's been a good training ground. I mean, some of the things that I'm proud of, um, you know, I'm proud that we've taken a stand on, on marriage equality. I'm proud that we've got good um, environmental policies. I'm proud of our relationship with trade unions. Um, you know, I'm proud that um, one of the things that predates my time in Parliament is I'm proud that Kevin Rudd stood and said sorry. I think that was a moment in time for mm-hmm. everyone in Australia, not just Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of the big things and the, and the, and the small things. And it um, really... I really get very, very um, sad, but it gives me... Um, you know, the feeling in the belly, belly to get up and fight another day when I see that the Abbott and Turnbull government uh, undo some of that good legislation that Labor brought in. When you do face that where, you know, it, you feel like, ah, oh, you know, why can't we why can't we just get this through? Or why, why are they undoing mm. the good work that we've done? Like, how do you, within yourself, sort of overcome that and... And, and, you know, as you say, live to fight another day and go out there and, and yeah. give it another crack. Well, you, you can't... You, you don't win much. You don't change... Uh, you don't change society from opposition. Mm-hmm. You might be able to knock a bill on the head. You might be able to save, a, 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 you know, a little bit of something. But at the end of the day... So it makes me more passionate and more committed to fight to, to become... Uh, the next, you know, to be part of the next government. And um, it, ultimately, I'm a fighter. Um, you know, but that, that is who I am and um, I don't give up easily. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we have to... we have to. That's why I think um, Bill Shorten doing the town halls is so important. We need to listen. We need to look at what we can do to make um, this a fair country for everyone who lives here. Um, so... I'm more determined to continue the fight. And yes, I'll be angry and sometimes I'll be disappointed. And, but at the end of the day, you've got to do the fight because you cannot... You, you can't deliver a fair country from opposition. You can't do that. And, and that passion that you have for trade unions, where does, where does that come from? Was there something that... Um, I don't know whether it was something that happened or there was something in the politics of the day that made you think, you know what, this is something I'm going to stand up and fight for? I think my sense of justice again, and um, certainly when I first got involved in the Labor Party, was probably the first time I really got to see trade unions up, up front. Um, and, um, you know, I would read about them in the media and I probably had similar views to some people who thought perhaps, you know, some trade unions were were too militant. I was pretty young when I joined the party and um, it was seeing the kinds of uh, wins and the kinds of fights that trade unions had uh, every day for ordinary working Australians that made me really think, wow... Because um, I'd trained to be a teacher and I'd done a little bit of teaching, but um, I thought, no, I think I'd rather work for a trade union <laughs> was just something I felt I could get my teeth into and and be more effective in delivering uh, real change for people and you can do that if you've got strong membership who are committed to fight you can make a real difference uh, collectively in, in people's everyday lives whether it's through better rosters or better rates of pay or a better deal all round you can actually make that difference. 
Mm, yeah okay well that's great i, I want to uh, i think you've pretty much answered everything i've got for you um i want to thank you for giving right, me Peter. yeah for, uh, thank you for giving me the insight into um what you're passionate about and how you work and um you know it's good to have these conversations and and mm. um i appreciate you opening up and, and being honest that's all right i but you know i am honest <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think so. I think most people want their politicians to be honest, so that's that's a good thing. <laughs> yes, no, it is. It is, despite yeah. me being, uh, you know, what do they say? Out of touch. <laughs> <laughs> I sometimes say to people, you know, do clean the toilet at home. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, I never really thought about that. <laughs> no, but, yeah, but you could ask other politicians, who, yeah. who cleans the toilet in your house? It'll be women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, that's a good one. I'm, I'm going to add that to the list of questions now. Um, thanks Feel for the tip. That's, that's, I could get some funny answers out of that one. All right, yeah, well, I know, thank you. People yeah. think somehow you've got, you know, some kind of different life. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's it. That's part of this. I've said, that, I've said it a lot on here, and probably listeners are sick of hearing it, but it's, you know, this podcast is a lot about that, is about finding out who you are and, you know... Yeah. Yeah, these are people that are in these positions. So let's get to know them and yeah. and know who we're voting for and not just what yeah. we're voting for. So, yeah. No. All right. Well, thank cool. you, Tim. Good luck. Thank you very much. Okay, then. Bye. Bye. Bye.